want us to hear today through your holy word. And we bless you. We thank you for it, Father. Make it real to us. Give us insight, understanding, and let us go out determined to be obedient to your word and your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. So there's instructions for living every time we get together and hear the word so it's a good thing to remember that that we do get instructions for living through the word of God and uh, it's a blessing to know the Lord thank you Mr. Darrell it's a blessing to uh, have faith and confidence in God which comes through his word so yesterday uh, we spoke about the fact that we were investigating and searching out evidence to find out what happened the day after Friday. This is not the same. Uh, what's that crazy movie? The, the, I keep getting stuck with it. Yes, yeah, on the BET. Now, this ain't that. I, this ain't no BET movie. This is the day after Friday in Jerusalem. Amen. AD 33 or whatever so this is very very different praise the Lord so anyway let's just give you time to find your Bibles and all that kind of stuff so we're going to talk about the fact that Sunday's here amen Sunday's here so we did quite a bit of investigating yesterday to find out where Jesus was the day after Friday and we found out that he had descended into the lower parts of of the earth and so now we're going to find where he went after that we found that uh, because his soul was a ransom for many we know he went to paradise because he told the thief on the cross he had an appointment with him that that evening to meet him in paradise and so we know he was there and that was a place where people who had died in faith in God amen And the one true and living God, that's where those souls were held until the time of release. We said that they could not have been released until the full price was paid. So we saw them come out of graves. Their bodies were reunited with their soul and spirit. And so they even walked the streets of Jerusalem. Uh, because where the head is, the body is there, right? And so they were being obedient to the Lord to demonstrate that Calvary was a, a full and a real work. There was a real work of atonement and Jesus did not die in vain. Amen. So there have to be evidences of this or else he's just another man that died you see. And so his death has to have meaning. So that gave his death meaning. We also kind of looked at and you all have a diagram of the different aspects of hell. We know that it is under the earth. Uh, That's evidence from earthquakes and disturbances that we feel on this level of the earth. I actually think some of this sinkhole activity and stuff that they can't really uh, understand how it happens. Different fault lines that there are plates in the earth and how the movement has a lot to do with activities under the earth that we don't have a lot of understanding of. Uh, So we know that. We know that there is a place for wicked angels that it's separate from everything else. So we know that hell is compartmentalized. Uh, the wicked angels it said that that's where a Satan will be chained for a thousand years remember and then released at the end of the age uh, there's a reference in Jude I think that's on your diagram of uh, Tartarus is the name of the place and it's for the, the it's like solitary confinement 
for the wicked or the wicked, you know, or, or death row or something like that, you know, something like that. So anyway, uh, but anyhow, we, we know that all of these things are real. We know that Jesus went there. The first thing is to release those captives because that ransom had been paid. So when Jesus said it is finished that meant a lot of things that that ransom was paid for the release of souls who were held because of of their faith in God. So that's a place where faith would take uh, the Old Testament people was to paradise. The unbelieving uh, were, were in in the hell harsh portion of hell they were separated by their great gulf remember Lazarus and then we know that that's a true story it was not just a parable but even if it were a parable it's still true it points to a, a reality and a truth and so that great gulf separated them so that people could know for a fact that their faith there was such a thing as faith in God and this is what the faithful get and this is what the unbelieving uh, merit with their lives on earth so we saw all of that outlined and so we said Jesus descended first and that was in Ephesians 4 four nine, descended first into the lower parts of the earth tasting death conquering hell came back uh, with the keys of death and hell so he has the key so if you know anybody who's tormented Jesus has the key to release them from the torment you got it so it's a real thing that happens uh, to us in this life if he has the keys he can use them at any time and so he gives us the keys the Bible says to the kingdom etc etc so now we're going to go over to Sunday because Sunday's here and in Luke 24 we're going to take this account of the events of Sunday it says uh, verse 1 now upon the first day of the week very early in the morning they this is a not this is a a not well defined they so we don't know who they were curiosity seekers it was just them came to the sepulcher bringing the spices that they had prepared and certain others with them so it looks like Mary Mary Magdalene uh, was a part of this group because she keeps popping up again over and over and over again. Uh, Jesus said uh, some wonderful things about her but we do know that he had cast seven devils out of her and that she was uh, greatly forgiven and followed the Lord out of appreciation and devotion not a bad motive for following God folks that will keep you through every all his ups and downs you see her popping up following him and so she was there she thinks to continue to anoint him for his burial his body has not yet begun to take on decay and they feel that they can go in now and uh, prepare the body so it doesn't decompose Uh, so anyway that was the purpose of bringing the spices and they found a stone rolled away from it so here's a uh, um, tomb that he was placed in with no stone they say that stone was so heavy it took a dozen men to to move it in its place and there was a Roman centurion you remember who was who was set there to keep watch over and this guy's gone got me and so (laughs) so something happened that these people left and the stone was rolled away it says they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus and it came to pass they were perplexed Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they asked them this question, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? 
So this uh, uh, a message that Jesus is alive is like the message of the hour. It's always the message of the hour. So the angels now were free to announce that and to inform them that Jesus was not dead but he was living. After the angels announce it then that message is carried by humans. And the angels drop the message. Got me? We are, we are the ones who have been chosen now to preach the gospel. So the angels are dispatched from heaven to make that announcement to humanity. But from there on in, humanity is given the responsibility. The church, the church of the living God is given the responsibility to inform all who would hear that the Lord is alive. That tomb represents the body of sin that died and was buried. It had to have been buried. Uh, especially under the old covenant uh, you know all of those who uh, were faithful in Christ or or that was a normal Jewish burial uh, you had to be buried in a grave also buried there was the old covenant because it was fulfilled and ended and he says he is not here but he is risen remember he told you he was going to do that so angels then are are limited to confirm prophecy point you toward prophecy but they always point you to the words of God not their own words this is important because there have been many people who started cults based on the the visitation of angels got me you need to know what they're allowed to speak and what they're not allowed to speak and so we we have it a limit here as to what they're allowed to tell us and he says remember that he spoke to you about this when he was yet in Galilee saying this and they're quoting scripture the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again so the angel says you do the math got me so where is he supposed to be today not in that tomb and they remembered his words amen and returned from the sepulcher told all these things to the eleven and to the rest and it was Mary Magdalene Johanna the, uh, Mary the mother of James and the other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles and their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulchre souping down. Now listen these women had two witnesses for the resurrection of Jesus. The empty tomb and the words of the angel. Which were the words of Jesus. So you need everything confirmed. See people look at the disciples not believing and think. Oh, well how did you get your last car? Did you just go in believing and get it the first time? No you sweated, you snorted, you cried, you begged, you had faithless nights sleepless nights and then you finally got over in the faith right well don't point the finger at these guys they're believing for much bigger things than a a car you got me or rent to be paid or a new pair of shoes so let's let's get on board here and understand that God has to confirm his word in the mouth of two or three witnesses otherwise it is not valid word of God got me so the women have seen the empty tomb they hear the explanation and they believe the men just hear the explanation and can't believe somehow so you'll see this thing happening to people over and over and over again after Jesus is risen from the grave 
And so he says, um, Peter arose and ran to the sepulchre. Stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at that which was to come to, with that which had come to pass. So Peter leaves wondering. But he's had his two witnesses. You got it? He's had the words and and remembrance of what Jesus prophesied. And he sees the empty tomb as his confirmation. That doesn't mean he's not believing. That just means he's pondering. It'll sink in at some point. Because this is something that's really hard to sink in for people. They know about natural Life, they know about natural death, but this resurrection thing, they can't quite get with it. They can't, this is a new happening and a new occurrence. And so this is something that's difficult to believe. You'll see that over and over again with the ones that knew him. You see it with Thomas, you'll see it with other ones. Uh, You're about to see it with some people who met him on the road to Emmaus. And and he walked with them for quite a distance before they got got it you got me and so uh, I say that to say this don't criticize your little unsaved loved ones because they can't quite get with the message of the gospel you know there it is there is a too good to be true element about it think about all the people my myself included who didn't think it was ever possible to know that your sins were forgiven we just kind of covered them up and kept going and pretended like we were good people didn't we or pretend it, or some days you feel like a real good person because you don't feel you've done anything wrong for a while, and then you think about things when you do things wrong. Say, well, what happened to that? You know, what what you got me? And so it's one of those things where you you will get your life sentence is commuted. You got me? Like the prisoner who's been in jail. You know, for most of his life, and then he's finally out. He didn't know what quite what to do. You got me? I mean those things are real when you've acclimated yourself to a life of bondage. When you're out it it is a revelation to you. It takes a while to get used to it. And so this is what was happening with, with them. As they hear the news it affects them in different ways. But at least Peter goes to see. And he saw the clothes laid aside. The question you might ask is what's Jesus wearing now? Huh? Think about it. What are we wearing now? Now that our filthy rags garments have been cast aside. Didn't we cast them aside when we got saved? I hope you did. I hope you're not still wearing sinful garments. You're not wearing the, the, the works of the flesh. You're not wearing your sin around. You're not desiring to sin anymore. I hope not. I hope you know that you can cast sin aside and you can pick up the new man. Isn't that what the the Bible tells us? Put off the old man. That's what he did in the tomb. He put off the old man. And he put on the new man clothed in righteousness. Who, Who gave him the clothes? His father gave him the clothes. Same place you get your clothes from. So the father clothes us after we come out of the tomb. Remember Lazarus? Jesus told those people, unwrap him. First thing he told them to do, unwrap him out of them grave clothes. Well, he ain't going to have no, they Nobody complained that Lazarus was going to be standing up there in his birthday suit. They just did what Jesus told them. They were glad for life. When you get saved, you need to be glad for life and put off whatever God tells you to put off and know that he's got something better for you to put on. 
And so he clothes us in righteousness. He clothes us in dignity. Now you can hold your head up because that sin's been taken off of you. And and he's the lifter of your head. Your sins have been forgiven. And so Peter went went to see. And and he, he saw that the old was laid aside. Was laid aside. So resurrection power always comes with a new garment. It comes in a new garment. You don't have the resurrection and power of God without putting on the new. And I mean renewed mind. Renewed purpose. Renewed understanding. Renewed outlook. Renewed image of yourself. So when we put on the new. We are, are, are being shown a new way. You know, sometimes when you you ever buy something really, really nice and you try it on, you think, oh, where can I go to wear this? You know, <laughs> same thing. When you put on Christ, it's like, where can I go to wear righteousness? I can go and preach to somebody is what I can do and tell them about the goodness of God. Amen. So through repentance, we accept his work at the cross and we put off the old Men, you must turn away from your old life and turn to the new. That's all repentance is. It's a change of your mind. I used to think I was right, but now I know I was wrong. I think I'll go the right way this time. And so when we put that off, the old is, is, is uh, cast down through confession. You acknowledge. You look at that. You say, yep, God, that was me. I used to do that. I used to do that. I was a this. I was a that. I was a that. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask Jesus Christ into my heart. You cannot have any kind of removal of sin without a confession of it cannot have it and so you must confess so that that can be removed and cast aside so we put off the old and the new is provided by God man this means the works are over with you don't have to work your way into God's goodness so he can give you something he provides the robe for you and you're righteous in his eyes amen so just start obeying that that righteousness the spirit of of Christ that's in you start working in obedience to that so the new then is provided by God the Bible says that we're to labor only to enter into our rest your rest the word rest really the word sabbath is the word that's synonymous with rest throughout the bible and what is this what was the sabbath given for to worship god so you labor to enter into an atmosphere of worshiping god of serving him putting him first whatever worship means to you that's what you labor to enter into you know you when you come home from work you put your your books down man i'm glad to be home i thank you jesus i'm here you know i'm i made it home i remember somebody had a testimony uh i think it was miss nola she won't mind me telling this so long ago but she used to smoke dope and run around through drugs with her little friends and she said when she got saved her challenge was not to stop anywhere on the way home 
and party with her little friends or pick up anything to smoke or to whatever and so she said when she would get home she would close that door behind her she said thank you Jesus I made it home another day and it was like a day at a time until she got confident that she didn't have to go back that way anymore and I think that that's the rest we need to enter into is a thanksgiving to God and just putting everything down and, and worshiping him and serving him and say God what do you have for me today what do you want me to do for you today and so that comes through repentance accepting his work at the cross we put off the old and the new is provided through the grace of God see whatever the new graces you to receive from God that's your portion so we receive a robe of righteousness and of truth so truth then becomes your portion that's why you read your word daily you know hopefully most of us hit something every day we touch God some kind of way every day but we need to put aside time labor it to enter into that put aside some things and, and make it your business to make sure you make time to have uh, what Gloria Copeland refers to as that living contact with God see worship and, and reading the word and, and meditating and, and making it real to you uh, that's a living contact so we see what happened early early Sunday morning then we pick up this event that happened on Sunday afternoon and, and we see that in verse 13 it says behold two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus so you see Peter hears the word that's one witness he goes and sees the empty tomb that's two these gentlemen heard because they were in that crowd but they did not go to see the empty tomb it doesn't record that they did but they are about to get another witness of Jesus alive and living so that they can believe understand this Jesus's main quest is that you would believe him <clears throat> he will do a lot of extraordinary things sometimes folks to get people to believe it's it's amazing the lengths that he will go through this and so they went to Emmaus which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs so I'm not sure anybody got a a um, thingy on you know a margin or something that tells you what seven miles okay so that's a walk for them amen so on a seven mile walk says they talked together of all these things which had happened so it's it's uh, um, uh, e-news daily what's happening in Jerusalem Huh? so they just giving a buzz about it and then uh, this was common this was a common way that people shared news so this this was um, remember the the scripture says agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the way with him and so what they would do would be discuss events from the city that they were coming from and that's how news spread so you would find somebody that that knew of news from here and news of there well you put them together uh what side of the news story are you on 
So if you were there by yourself and he was there, oh yeah, 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 I'm, that's fine. I, I know all about that. And yeah, I agree with your position and you didn't agree nothing. But you said it anyway because having a partner on the road was better than being left alone to thieves and wolves. So that's why that scripture, agree with your adversary quickly while you're walking on the road with him. Amen. And so that, that's how they survived in those days. But this really is how news was spread. Many times you would come to a, a fork in the road where people would part and uh, they would have to make a decision to walk further with that individual or maybe I'll just you know hitch a ride on the next group of people that are coming through you understand if you got to a fork and you thought somebody else might be coming then you just uh, waited until somebody more agreeable came and and you walked with them for a a little bit and and so you'll see how that plays out uh, in this story in verse 14 it says they talked together of all these things which had happened and it came to pass while they communicated together and reasoned Jesus himself drew near and went with them so we don't know if Jesus was waiting at the fork of the road or he just appeared or he was kind of behind and caught up or there he was all of a sudden in another form is what some some translations say and it says but their eyes were dimmed or holden that they should not know him and he said unto them what manner of communications are these that you have one with another as you walk and you are sad and one of them whose name was Cleophas I got a cousin somewhere named Cleophas (laughs) one day from one of my relatives (laughs) answering and said unto him are you just a stranger in Jerusalem that you don't know the things that are come to pass there these days? So this brother wants to be the first one to give somebody the bad news. You know, he says, oh, how, how is it you missed this? Let me give you the scoop. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. So they know him got me and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him but we trusted we had our faith in something that we thought he was going to do for us (laughs) don't split with Jesus just because you have faith that he was going to do something for you and it hasn't been done yet Hmm. this is where many people would depart from him on the road leave him there in the dust and go on their way looking for something better and he said we trusted that it had been he which should redeem Israel and besides all this today is the third day since these things were done yes and certain women also of our company made us astonished which were early at the sepulchre and when they found not his body they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels not real ones you see how when when stories get told a second time they get switched them was real angels sitting there huh? because the bible says they were angels not that they came in a vision but they were angels and when they said he was alive and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre see but they didn't go and found it even so as the women said but they didn't see him and he said to them O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken hmm does that sound familiar <laughs> familiar voice 
I know that voice anywhere. So he reminds them of what he said about himself while he was alive. This is how when, when, when a message is given by God. It's one message and it's preached to everybody until everybody hears and believes. The gospel is one message. It's preached to everybody until everybody hears and believes. We don't have two gospels. We don't have a gospel that we can water it down and make it seeker friendly. And all. There's not two gospels folks. There's only one gospel. And it's told the same way over and over and over again to all who can believe. And he says ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and the prophets. Think of the love of God to just continue to reveal himself and expound these things. And reiterate over and over and over again the same thing to people who refuse to believe some of them. Or who just can't get it together enough to believe. But he continues because his aim is to get us to believe him and to love him and to serve him. And that's all he's after. Same thing over and over and over again. He tells them. He expounded and he started at Moses and all the prophets and expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He said there's a close to 400 prophecies concerning Christ. So in a seven mile walk he takes them from Moses to the whole history of Israel down to himself. And they drew nigh into the village where they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. In other words he says I'm getting off the ship here. If y'all can't show me something I'm leaving you know. But they constrain him saying abide with us. Here it is agree with your adversary. Huh? He had called us stupid, slow, <laughs> retarded, everything. But we love him anyway. And that what the Bible says when the righteous slap me, I'm, it's a kindness. So they said, well, come on, go in and slap us some more. They constrained him saying, abide with us. For it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And they went and so you know they're inviting him for hospitality they think. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them. Think if they hadn't asked him to continue. See. I can tell, tell people all the time. If, if you feel like you want to quit. Just hang in there. A little, go a little another further with God. Because your deliverance is right around the corner. You see, you think of all the people who quit serving God, all the people quit coming to church, all the people just because they think they can't go any farther unless God does something for them. Well, I got news for you. You can go farther. And once you find you go farther, then you find you finally obeyed him enough for him to do something for you. It's always right before your breakthrough that the devil tries to get you to disconnect and discontinue. So anyway, he stays with them. And it says it came to pass in verse 30 as they sat at meat with him. Mm. Pays to break bread with people don't it? Pays to, to fellowship with people around the things of God. See those things are familiar surroundings like you know kids that that one of my fondest remembrances when I would come home from school is my mother was always there. 
She may not have had a dinner prepared every time. She may not have had warm cookies and all that. But I remember the fellowship and being able to feel like home was a welcoming place. That kind of stuff. And so this is something Jesus did many times with them. And especially at the Passover. And the Last Supper especially. They remember now in the way that he breaks bread. And it says as he broke bread and blessed that and gave it to them. I am the bread of life. He's the one. He's the master sitting at the table. He's in charge of the feast. Even though they invited him he comes in and he takes his rightful place as the center of all things. So he breaks bread, broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. Finally something that clicks on the inside of them because it awakens some life of God on the inside of them. So God knows how to reach people folks. He knows what to switch on in everybody so that they'll remember, so that they'll obey, so that they'll say yes Lord, so that they'll say no to sin. So that he knows everything to do to make sure that people get a revelation of who he is. And their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. That's all he wants to do is give you a revelation of who he is. Hmm? So in the New Testament Jesus is revealed by revelation only not by the flesh. Then Second Corinthians it says we're to know no man after the flesh and we're not to know the Lord after the flesh anymore. We're not supposed to conjure up disciples old memories of when you walked with him and the things you did and all that's fine but you need a revelation of him how he is now that's what that's how how we get to know the Lord is through revelation so he reveals himself to them in the breaking of bread and he um, let me see he preached the gospel to them already let me finish reading this. Their eyes were open. He vanished out of sight. And they said one to another. Didn't our heart burn within us while he walked with us by the way. And while he opened up the scriptures. Yeah but why didn't you operate on it. See Jesus knows when. when how far he has to go. And what he needs to say to people to get them to recognize him. You got me? They were putting it together. Just like Peter. He left that tomb pondering. Thinking finally. He didn't just cast it aside like it wasn't true and he was done with it. When the women first told him. But when he went to that tomb. That second witness starts you thinking. And starts the wheels to grinding a little bit. And then Jesus goes with them further. And breaks bread and shares it with them. And then their eyes are open. The scales finally fall off. Why? Because they've been hearing. They've been pondering. They've been considering. They've been thinking. They've been trying to understand. And God knows how far he has to take us to get full understanding. He wants us following him with our eyes open. Not blindly. And people talk about blind faith. There's no such thing. Faith is by your inner eyes. It's by the eyes of your spirit man. You know you know what God can do. You're not just following somebody blindly. You don't have to. He may be blind from natural sight. But your spirit man can see everything. He's following a vision that God has given them. When you, when you pray for something. You have something inside of you that when you get to it in the natural you know that's what God 
promised you. You better know. And until you get that on the inside, he won't lead you much on the outside. So you're following the word that's put on the inside of you that gives you a clear vision of who God is. So we see here in verse 34. They they rose up the same hour, returned to Jerusalem, 33, found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. So there's the testimony again, the same message, the same gospel. He revealed himself as we sat with him. That is, that tomb is empty because he is alive and he is risen. And they, in verse 36, as they spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. Doesn't he always come to confirm his own word? Doesn't Jesus always show up when he's called upon? And he said to them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified, terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Well, they're always thinking that when Jesus appears out of nowhere. They think it's a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? says, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. There's a reason for that. So I can, I'll go into that in a little bit. And when he... And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said, do you have here a little meat? <laughs> Why is it that every time they sit down to eat something, they recognize the bread of life? Huh? The bread of life. Amen. A man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he reveals him to people as the bread, himself as the bread of life. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. They having a barbecue up in there and a honeycomb. Then he took it and did eat before them. And he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And then he, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Isn't that amazing? They'd had the law all those years, didn't understand nothing about it. See, this is why religion is so bad. Because it will have memory of scripture, memorizing scripture. I know this, I know that. But no revelation of Christ in reality alive and living. I don't care how much Bible you know. If you're not born again, that will not save you. If you don't understand, if you haven't had a revelation of Christ, you've actually asked him questions that they ask. Are you alive? Are you real? Some people have had the best conversions just saying, God, if you're real, show me. You got me? An honest question, uh, an honest heart cry. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. 
That's the that's the gospel in a nutshell. Repentance and remission of sins in his name. If you don't preach that you you don't have a right to say anything about the Lord. They'll never receive him if they don't get it the right way. And he said in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things. And behold I'll send you the promise of my father upon you but wait in the city of Jerusalem. Until you receive power from on high. And he led them out as far to Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them. He was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Amen. And so they left with that and began the the work of, of, of laboring to enter into their rest. Just worshiping God. That's what they did daily. Just worshiping and praising God. Because the, in, in that that breathing upon them and blessing them to receive that portion of his spirit that was enough to carry them you see what I'm saying that was enough to refresh them when they needed to be refreshed when they got discouraged it was enough to to help them to be dis- from being discouraged so that's the account in Luke if you turn over to John in chapter 20 we'll show you another account of the resurrection of the Lord from from John's perspective what John was given to write about him and in John chapter 20 starting in verse 1 it says the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early so we get some of them the thems we are identified but Mary's always identified when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre and see see of the stone taken away from the sepulchre she runs and comes to Simon Peter and the other disciples whom Jesus loved (coughs) yours truly John and said to them they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre and we don't know where they have laid them Peter went forth and the other disciple that's John and came to the sepulchre so they ran both together and the other one outran Peter just to keep the record straight and came (laughs) just saying and came first to the sepulcher so I got there faster than Peter did because I loved him the most he stooped down and looked in saw the linen clothes lying and he did not go in then cometh Simon Peter following him and Peter went in and saw the linen clothes that they were lying there and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself so it looks like those two pieces of of um, uh, uh, grave clothes were taken off separately uh, apparently Jesus came out of those clothes by his own power resurrection power there's no evidence an angel helped him there's no evidence any but the same power that raised him from the dead the bible says dwells in us and quickens our mortal bodies makes our bodies alive and so that power has no limit on what it can do so when the power came in it's it's said that the grave clothes probably just fell off some people have have a piece of burial cloth they feel is that of Jesus and they have examined it because there are the the markings of a uh, human form in there they believe that's made by it's an outline and nobody can tell what that is they've examined it uh, they know it's not dye they know it's not blood they know it's not like human 
uh, human um, uh, uh, liquids, any kind of bodily fluids that would come from it. But they do know that it has some some heat elements to it and it has some some electric elements to it and so they they people who have examined it they don't know of any force that could come with that intensity and burn through that material without burning it so it's it's a a a power and a force not known to man and the people who are there's still a group of people who take it around and preach from it and they win a lot of souls to Christ with that thing and they call it the power of the resurrection that's what they believe is on that cloth and so they try to validate it that it's the the burial cloth of Jesus they're not able to but we have his word don't we we have a revelation of Christ in reality God will use whatever he wants to use with people to convince them that he's a alive and so he seems to honor it because the people who do it are Christians they love him and they they're sincere about it and so um it in and so it looks as though uh he was released from the grave clothing first and unwrapped his own napkin off his head and and took his clothes off sat him aside got up and did what he needed to do he first descended into the lower parts of the earth we know that and he did that unshackled because he was free to go and do what he needed to go and do unrestricted and unrestrained the fact that he had resurrection power meant hell had no authority over him had he not gone into hell under his father's direction remember he said before he died father into your hands I commend my spirit so he did things in obedience to the father and the father had already judged that he was not paying for his own sins had he not had the father's judgment and acquittal on his life hell would have had power to hold him there but he went in under the father's authority with resurrection power now because he was not paying for his own sin anybody who goes to hell with unconfessed sin on them stays there because that sin has not been paid for so we know that our sin was laid on him but he still had to do everything in obedience to the father he does nothing except what the father tells him to do and we have to be careful to live that way as well to be able to get the word and get understanding and let be led by the spirit of God that kind of thing and so he goes in there under resurrection power that same power is what is enabling him to go and do now what the father tells him to do if he tells him to catch up with these guys on the road you catch up with those guys on the road if he tells him to go and reveal himself to somebody else he does that as well so Jesus is is there and he's uh, performing all of of these things but right now he is first uh, Mary is back at the tomb again so we have to start afresh on this one and understand that we're just at the tomb and just uh, getting to see uh, what's going on here and so the disciples they all have a different reaction to that empty tomb and he says in verse 8 they went in also that other disciple who came first to the sepulcher and he saw and believed so John is pumping himself up again see when I saw it I believe and I wouldn't doubt no more but you know Peter he's got his problems you know how Peter is 
For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now they had heard it but they didn't know it. When God talks about knowing that means owning it. You know it, you hear it, you believe it, you own it, you live your life according to it. That's There's a whole different know versus a head knowledge you heard it already. I can tell you for a fact that the problem with many times people not receiving what God has for them is when they hear a familiar scripture instead of owning it, embracing it, knowing it, they, their mind goes like, oh I heard that before. And they let it slide so that the word is never fresh and new. The same word is never fresh and new to them. Look how many times these guys have to hear the same scripture about Jesus dying and being raised again from the dead. I counted in the Bible 12 times where he gave that speech. About he had to die and be raised again on the third day. 12 times. He tells them over and over and over again. Every time he gets a chance to get it in there somewhere he repeats it to them. But because they don't want it to happen they don't hear it. Be careful about those things that, that kind of convict you when you first hear them in the word. Don't push them. Them's the ones that grab. The ones that make you feel a little tight and uncomfortable in the shoes. Those are the ones to grab. Because those are the ones that are going to set you free. And so he says here they yet knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their home. So it's kind of like okay we saw that. John says he believed but he says none of them other ones was believing. So everybody has their own different reaction to the empty tomb. The, The others go home but there's something about Mary. She stays at the tomb verse 11 she stood without the sepulcher weeping and as she wept she stooped down and looked unto the sepulcher now she doesn't they never say she believes or not believes but she wants to find out sometimes just you're wanting to find out what the truth is will lead you to God you got me? It's like sometimes people will, will want to debate the Bible or what's is this true in the Bible? Like sometimes some people I mean they wear you out because we're used to people coming to God wanting to serve, you know, and humility and all of that. But <laughs> you know, sometimes you just come with questions. And if you get questions, you might get close to them, but she wants to know. That's that's what keeps her there. And she keeps on the hunt. And she sees verse twelve. She sees two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Now these disciples even Peter the one not believing doesn't go any further. He doesn't hang around. There's, there's a, a, a um, reward in that. In lingering. You know. It's like meditating on the word. Instead of just getting a scripture and say well I did my scripture for the day. Take that with you. Think about it. Meditate on it. Let it feed you uh, for a day. Let it let it uh, marinate, as they say. Get all the flavors in all of your parts, so that you don't miss anything. And so they said to her, "Woman, why are you crying?" She said to them, "Because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him." And when she had said this, she's thinking he's still dead. When she had said this, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was him. 
And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? <laughs> that voice is very familiar. Uh, who are you looking for? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have taken him away, please tell me where you have laid him and I'll take him. She just wanted the body of Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned herself and said to him, Rabboni or Master Rabbi. Jesus said to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to him, to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. So he wants them to know this, that I am alive. That tomb is empty for a reason because the father that I'm going to raised me up and he's your father too if you believe it. Amen. Those who believe are the, the sons and daughters of God. Amen. Believe that Jesus is alive and was raised from the dead. That he died according to the scriptures etc. etc. But he tells her not to touch him. Why does he say, don't touch me? Mary Magdalene, she was the one that he cast the seven devils out of. Remember her? (laughs) She was the one, some of the things that that she's responsible for. Now, the Bible, some of the scholars talk about there's... A discrepancy between the Marys and the Marys and all that. But Mary Magdalene is pretty well defined her activities in the in the word. St. Augustine referred to her as an apostle to the apostles. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. He was one of the early church fathers. He's like from the 3rd or 4th century. And he was very accurate. He, he believed in salvation through grace and repentance he also believed in a trinitarian god so he searched the scriptures to leave a foundation and they they feel like he is one of the founders of the catholic church and so as he searched the scriptures he referred to her that way she was the first to see him after he was raised from the dead she brought spices but she actually had anointed him for his burial prior to that remember that in the the um uh the, she was the woman with the alabaster box when uh, Jesus was in there in the home of Simon the leper she came and broke that that box over his head and he said at that time he said this woman has anointed me for my burial so that's why Nobody could track him down to put spices on him. Remember she came there uh, when they took him down from the cross. She was there at the sepulcher with spices but they didn't have time for the preparation of the body. Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy man so he already had some burial clothes to put Christ in. But they couldn't do any labor after sundown according to the Jewish law. And so when the sun went down he, they couldn't do any bodily preparation. She couldn't do it for three days. And so when she got there on Sunday morning morning she was still thinking on the fourth day the body really starts to decay so if I can get there as early as I can I'll be able to prepare his body so she's got it fixed in her mind she's going to deal with his dead body that's that's her 
her desire to do to treat his body with dignity. She's not focusing on he's going to be raised from the dead. But why does she takes when she takes a second look into the sepulcher? This will be her second witness as to the the life and the resurrection of Christ. She's still looking for a dead man. She still has it fixed in her mind to do what she knows she can do as a ministry to him. And and there's nothing wrong with that. And you'll see God honors that. He 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 lets her think that as long as she's got something motivating her toward that revelation, he'll take that. Some people come to the Lord because they they're desperate and they need help. Some people come because, you know, I've seen people get saved following some cute girl to church. And she said, "You can't date me if you ain't saved. Come to church with me." You got it? And so whatever draws you, draws you. But when God gets a hold of you, you all that goes by the wayside. Because he is a consuming God and a consuming fire. But but this is, this is what you need to know about this scripture. And I know I've heard people preach about why he said don't touch me. And you know, get off me Mary. And, you know what I'm saying. They say all rough stuff and stupid stuff. But think about what he's going to the father for what do you know he's going there for and does that give you the answer come on now the Levitical priest had to wash himself before he entered into the holy of holies he was in there as a priest so if he's in there as a priest he's cleansed for the priesthood and they couldn't have contact with anybody else physical you got it so that's the answer it it usually follows real close after when you read and see what he's doing so really to be honest with you he went into the bowels of the earth in his kingly function see these both work simultaneously hand in hand they're not separate like people say things like well uh and i know you've all heard this it's a pro uh, a you know popular teaching uh the what's wrong with the body of christ when you so, when you hear somebody say something like that you know they don't know what they're talking about already okay because there's nothing wrong with us we're complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So we're not lacking in anything. What we're lacking in is we ain't got sense enough to stop listening to stupid people. Sometimes. But you know what I'm saying. But they'll say things like, well we know how to be priests but we don't know how to be kings. You know how to be both of them. They don't function like one functions with the, without the other. They function simultaneously. And so Jesus being led by the Father was in authority under the earth as the resurrected Son of God, Lord and King over all things. He showed his lordship over everything. But he still had not ascended to heaven to fulfill his priestly function and put the the blood on the mercy seat. Why? Because it's very important for us to know that we're redeemed. That's the first thing God reveals to you. That you're redeemed. Once your sins are forgiven and that ransom's been paid, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you and you're free. You're free to serve God now instead of being in bondage to sin and craziness for the rest of your life. And so when that's the first order of business 
to anybody who gets born again is to take the shackles off you take you off a prison and let you go free spirit soul mind and body the next function that Jesus did did was his ministry in heaven so his his role as our advocate and intercessor and those things have to be established now you have to establish a church first before you can establish a priesthood over that church and so the church is born again first or birthed first and then the priesthood comes and it follows and after Jesus ascends with his own blood in Hebrews chapter 9 I think flip over there real quick if you want to start in verse 11 but Christ being come uh, become being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands so it's a tabernacle in heaven say not of this building neither by, by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once unto the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us so there's an order you get eternal redemption first you get people free and then you go into the holy place and put the blood on there isn't that the way they did it under the old covenant when the priest was was putting the sins when he would lift his hands and receive the sins of the congregation he then placed them down on the um, the sacrifice the the kill goat and then he would speak them into the soul of the scapegoat so that sacrifice was put together and offered for the people and then he went into the holiest of all and put part of that blood on the elements which was a a a, a replica of what was in heaven it was just a a second secondary it was a visual representation of what was really going on in heaven it was a, a pattern of those things and he says for the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works so we're going from a a flesh salvation to a conscience salvation I'd rather have my conscience clean any day I'd rather have a you know and knowing your sins are forgiven that's what see this is something that nobody can make you receive you have to lay down everything that's against this and and pick it up and accept it you got me this is a work that, that this is your personal relationship with God when you know that your sins are forgiven you're a free person and I can tell you their churches are filled with people who go back and sin go back and sin because they never understand that their conscience is purged you got to stay in the word till you get purged it's like the old joke that some preacher asked a man in the church do you believe in purgatory and he said yeah when I go to the altar I get purged all the time he said I get to purgatory all the time I get my sins purged yeah I believe in purgatory my sin purged but your conscience is purged from dead works so that you can serve God you can't serve God with a bad conscience 
And I, I think that's a problem for people sometimes. They want to step. You ever, you ever notice that if you step out to do something for God and the enemy tries to stop you. He'll always stop you by bringing up something that leads to you being inadequate. Or not able. Or just don't qualify. He always tries to disqualify you. Well that's because you're conscience picks that up and and considers it and allows that to limit you but boy if you ever realize your sins are forgiven you step out there and keep going you won't let it stop you say God if I did anything wrong I'm sorry but I know that you told me that you that I'm free of all sin and, and I can do these things because you strengthen me to do them and don't let the devil stop you and it's a fight folks it's a fight because most times we consider too many things that God has dealt with us on but I tell you one thing that helped me greatly and God showed me this many years ago my mother was dying she was uh, sick for the final time she had been on dialysis for a lot of years in fact the doctors would always say said I can't believe how good she looks you know usually by this time you know you hear that enough and, and so but anyway I remember a time when she asked for prayer and God healed her foot she had um, circulatory problems with her extremities and she had had part of a foot amputated and it looked like the other one was going bad and she asked me to pray for her I just come from church and, and just it seemed like God followed me everywhere that day and uh, and so she said and when I went in I could just feel the presence of God and she said could you pray for me like everybody in the house asked for prayer you know the outlaws you know, some of them, them Christian folks that you know you know you pray whatever but anyway uh, I did and the, her foot had, one toe had started to turn black already from gangrene and I would go over in subsequent visits and she, I'd say, Mama, how you doing? She'd say, oh, girl, that thing is healed. And I didn't look healed to me. But she said it was healed. And I went for what she, and she lived many years after that. But she had had some disagreements with my dad and felt really bad about them. And then that really was what took her kind of downhill. And um, when I went to see her that night before, and the Lord had given me a scripture to read to her if you confess your sins he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and I read it to her and she she said read that again and I read it again she said you mean God will really clean me up conscience bothered her you see and so I told her I said sure he will and when I left there I knew she wasn't going to be there the next day was the only thing left between her and God was a bad conscience you see you see how having your conscience purged is so important to your confidence toward God and see when people have that then they can step over into heaven they can't step over there with with sin between them even something that they that they should know they're forgiven from but they don't know it you got to know these things. You got to have dealings with God to know them. And so that's a very, very important thing that, that we have to understand. And so uh, Jesus went in and offered his blood. That's why he couldn't be touched because he was ceremonial, ceremonially cleansed for the tabernacle. 
And so he explains I have to go to my father and to your father and my God and your God. And so he's reassuring her that she's accepted in the beloved of God. And so she doesn't get any kind of rejection or anything stupid that people would think you know you might pick up from that. I mean when Jesus tells you something if you lend your heart to believe it then you're able to believe it. And so he appears to her. And she, uh, but Mary came and told the disciples, verse 18, that she had spoken and seen the Lord, and he had spoken to her these things. And then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut from the disciples, they were assembled in fear. This is still Sunday. A fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So then some people are convinced when they see the marks on his body. Now why does he still have the marks? Those marks are his eternal covenant with us. He has an eternal covenant. Now in a a, uh, um, man to man covenant. Now we all know understand what covenant means. a, A covenant of strong friendship. We know one of the steps of the covenant was that the both parties cut themselves and made a bloody handshake and mingled their blood and they would rub ash or something into that scar so that scar was left visible. It was prominent and pronounced. Jesus has the same covenant type of covenant dealings with us that those scars are uh, pronounced and they are prominent they are not taken away ever because he has an eternal covenant now you say well that wasn't the same body he had when he was on the earth because he was flesh and blood the first but flesh, but no but those marks must be there because they symbolize an eternal covenant with what we that our sins are paid for whenever anybody in heaven sees Jesus they notice that he has scars on his feet and scars on his hands to symbolize that their sins are paid for that this isn't another Jesus this isn't a second this is one who made that covenant with us eternally Eternally, and so that the covenant symbol must remain eternally as a mark to us and a reassurance to us to whom we belong. See, if we have faith in what he's done for us, then we look at those scars and we know to whom we belong. He took stripes on his body to pay for our sickness. So we need to accept that atonement by faith. But that covenant is there there's a visible reminder of who we belong to just like it would be if it were a human being but when they die the covenant's gone with him he died he was raised up the covenant's still here because we still see the eternal scars that he bears for us so he is making himself known to them and he tells them peace be unto you as my father has sent me even so send I you Oh, we got to go somewhere now, huh? And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost for the remission of sins only. Everybody who's born again has got to have that. I don't care what denomination you belong to. If you're born again, you have the power to forgive. Don't ever forget it. That's the first thing backsliders forget. 
They get offended about something, get mad at somebody pretty soon. They don't smile anymore. They don't come to church anymore. They forget what the power of the Holy Spirit is really for. And that is to break down walls of partition between people and make of two people one, one new man. So that we're all one family in God. What keeps the family together? Forgiveness. What keeps the family together? The remission of sins from you, from me, from between us. It kills misunderstanding. It makes us know that that's a small thing. And we go on to the bigger thing. Because Jesus said, he said, he says, I'm sending you somewhere. (laughs) And I'm sending you under the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive sins. And so he says, in, in whoever sins you're forgiven, they are forgiven. Whosoever you retain, they are retained. In you. You got me? The Bible says if you refuse to forgive somebody else their trespasses against you, then God will not forgive yours. So this is central to Christianity. This is the foundation of our religion. Is the forgiveness of our sins through the blood of the cross and our forgiving others. It's one complete total act. You can't have your own forgiven and hold on to grudges against other people. It's just not possible. So if you believe that Calvary is a complete work, you should be a very forgiving and a loving person. Even the grace and total work people have their grudges. You got me? So they're all a bunch of hypocrites if you ask me. Quit preaching about something you're trying to drum into somebody and get it right yourself. Amen. Do you understand what I mean? If you're not living the covenant, what good is it to you? You know, if you're, this is a work that you do every day. The devil will find a way to get you offended every day. I mean every day. And if you are a person who's high-minded and holding on to it and they ought to do this and they don't treat me right. If you're selfish and you're wrapped up in yourself, you don't have a first clue of what the cross is about. The cross is about laying down your life. If you don't have the grace to lay down your life so that somebody else can find Christ, so you're missing the whole point of it. You're missing the whole point. And so what we need, we have grace for these things. We can do these things. It won't hurt you to forgive people. And it won't hurt you to go to them when you've offended them and ask for forgiveness. But Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Gee, there's always somebody missing. But Jesus has to go hunt them down and make sure they understand it says the other disciples therefore said to him we have seen the Lord and he said if unless I see the handprints and the see somebody seeking confirmation of a covenant with him it's got to be the same Jesus he's got to be raised up it's got to be you know he's asking for something that's that means something he didn't say unless he's wearing that same baseball cap we used to wear when we we cruised Jerusalem, you know, whatever, whatever. He's not. He's asking for something meaningful. See, these covenant scars are meaningful, and Thomas knows it. He knows that when Jesus died, those marks should still be there, even though he's raised up again, because those marks signify what Thomas is saying. I want to see the same Jesus that died for me. I want to make sure that this is this death and this resurrection are real. And if I see that, I know I've seen the Lord and I know what he's done for me. 
And he says after eight days again the disciples were with him and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said peace be unto you. And he said to Thomas reaching hither my finger. Now this, this phrase peace be unto you is a covenant phrase. You got me? It just means I come as a friend. I'm not coming as an enemy. When somebody's got all power and power to be raised from the dead, you don't know why they're showing up. So it's like a lot of you unsaved friends. They don't want to hear about God because they're hoping he don't even know they're here no more. I hope he forgot me already and what I did last night, you know. And so he says, uh, he, he, Thomas is reached, he tells Thomas, do what you want to do. Put your finger in there and behold my hands and reach that and put your fingers in my side and don't be faithless but b- believe. Thomas answering said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So God, God says there's a degree of blessing in Believing because you see. In other words, the testimony that we give. Somebody gets healed. You, you can see that they're walking around and your faith increases. There's a level of blessing there. But I'm telling you, if you get your Bible and there's nobody but you. And you find God and he raises you up off your bed of affliction. There's a greater blessing there. You see what I'm saying? Because you know the invisible God. You didn't have to have verification from any secondary source. But you you were able to get it through the word in your heart. That's Because it's hidden in your heart then. You know there are a lot of people that go to Benny Hinn's meetings for years and still can't get healed. You got me? And so they don't get the word hidden in their heart the way you need to in order for it to come to you yourself. And says in many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these if they were written, <clears throat> these were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God. And that by believing you might have life through his name. So the whole purpose for the Bible is for believers to believe on Jesus. Not to get in there and try to get information and debate and strive and all that kind of stuff. But that believing they might have have life through his name it's to lead people to Christ lead them to eternal life that is the main and only reason for any of this there's a a purpose to what we do there's a fruit that we want to produce there's an end to to our so-called madness here and that is that by believing they would have life through the name of Jesus amen father in heaven we thank you for your word and for understanding and for life that comes in your word and we bless you father for giving us your holy word that we might believe and that we can investigate all these things that Jesus did after Friday and we will receive everything every blessing every benefit that comes with that knowledge in Jesus name amen praise God amen if you need prayer come on up